From the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios, high atop Two Turtle Creek Tower, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. This is Ryan Trimble, joined today by my co-host, Sean Williams, sending out good vibes coast to coast all the way from Las Vegas, Albuquerque, the Sunshine State, all across the globe, really, Sean. Yeah, you know, we do get analytics here and about Deconstructing Dallas, and we have a worldwide listening audience. We now, do. Hey, we don't get into percentages and whether or not there's .001% of our listening audiences. It does not matter. <laughs> it's because people all over the world are tuned in to Deconstructing Dallas and tuned in to seeing what is going on in our great city. And we want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to our show. That's right. That's right. Thank you all. Andrew Heisey, if you're listening, get your rear end out here, man. Come on. You just need to make the jump. Move to Dallas. Well, Sean, it was a big weekend around here. The Byron Nelson Championship finished up. Aaron Wise wins the Byron Nelson Championship at the new Trinity Forest Golf Club in Southern Dallas. Quite a weekend. Quite a weekend. Yeah, it was good for Aaron Wise, good for Dallas. You know, ever since the tournament announced that it was moving back to Dallas. It's been exciting. I was working with Mayor Rawlings when the group who is now at Trinity Forest Golf Club came in to pitch the idea to Mayor Rawlings about the golf course. And I believe, you know, it's gotten really good reviews from the players. The folks who were out there had a good time. You know, I think 23 under is probably not the score that they were hoping for <laughs> as a winning score. Yeah. But I think um, it's proven that, you know, this this uh, tournament has legs. Yeah, well, glad that uh, as Dallas guys, and no offense to our friends in Irving Las Colinas, but um, it's good to have the Byron Nelson back in the city of Dallas and the city limits. So uh, congratulations. And, you know, Sean, it's also uh, – here's your SMU tie-in for the day. It's also the new – uh, home course for the SMU golf teams. Good. The Pony golf team is going to be out there. The first tee um, is also part of the golf course out there. So it is a really good opportunity for folks to see a part of town that they are not accustomed to seeing. And it is a beautiful, beautiful course, a beautiful area. And as people have talked about it being built on a trash dump, I mean, it literally was a landfill. And I would recommend to our listeners to check out the Out of Deep Wood documentary produced by BC Workshop. It's a really outstanding look at what that site used to be, the site where the Trinity Forest Golf Club is now housed, as well as the Audubon, Trinity Audubon Center was also housed on that same landfill. So a um, little D- Dallas history that people talk about, but really gives a lot of context. Love that Audubon Center. That is a fun place, and it's really nice to get down there for the day and uh, you know check out some of their exhibits. And uh, I know they're booking up for weddings quite quickly, too. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to get down there, and summer's coming, so you know they yeah. have summer activities for the kids as well. Trinity, shout out to the Trinity Audubon Center. Yeah, well, I know, I know that uh, with the with the Nelson and also the Royal Wedding, it was a big weekend for you, Sean. You know, I have to admit that I was not that attuned to the Royal Wedding as I probably could have been going into it. Um, <laughs> and this is kind of we're 
addressing this because there was a definitely a media tie-in here and to talk about the media lead-in. But um, you know, I am a fan of Netflix series The Crown. I have watched <laughs> season one and season yeah. two, so it does give a a very interesting perspective on you know what the royal family is and kind of how they operate. And like I I talked to you earlier, it's amazing to think that Brexit and this $45 million wedding exist in the same country. It's amazing, but really an interesting time. Meghan Markle marrying Prince Harry, and uh, she's such an interesting story. Hey, look, I thought Kate Middleton was great when when she married Prince William, and uh, Prince William and I share the same birthday, by the way. Okay, all right. There you go. Happy birthday. That's a good time. End of June, Prince. Uh, But, yeah, I think that these folks have such a really – have have a great uh, platform to make positive change in the world. So we'll see what what – uh, Prince Princess Meghan gets involved in Sean the Duke and Duchess of Sussex I believe I believe you know better than I I don't know I'm not going to check that I'll just have somebody email yeah. me you know I, I as a again as someone who watches The Crown and it portrays uh, the early episodes portrayed Queen Elizabeth's father when he became king after his brother David abdicated the throne and you know, his, her grandmother was very traditionalist, and so I can only imagine if Queen Elizabeth's grandmother knew that her grand that the the prince was marrying an African American. Let's just say a, a biracial divorced American. Like, and I think in the order it Actress. would probably go. Yeah, it would probably go. Let's see, divorced, then biracial, then American. I mean, I think that that would be the the list of. Uh, I think American would be at the top of the list of things that she probably wouldn't like. But it is, you know, these are modern times. And, you know, again, in the history, the people of England, because, you know, the king before, um, I believe he went under the name of Edward, the king whose name was originally David, who left the throne and abdicated the throne because he wanted to to marry an, an American divorcee. But the people of England were with him because they thought, hey, these are modern times. If he wants to marry an American who has been divorced, then great. But, you know, here we are. Uh, I guess it would probably be 70 or so years later. Um, and and the, the monarchy is coming around. This is the Monarchy Podcast with Sean Williams, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, let's let's talk about our real uh, show for today. And maybe this will be a, a good side segment, maybe one day for the Monarchy Talk. But uh, we had an opportunity to travel, speaking of Southern Dallas, to Redbird, down to visit the mall, formerly known as Southwest Center Mall, now going back by the name of Redbird, to talk to the owner and developer, Peter Brodsky. Yeah, it was a fun day. Uh, if you have a chance to go down there, call Sean Williams to be your tour guide. Uh, he knows all the great nooks and crannies down there. So uh, we, we walked around the grounds, had a chance to sit down with Peter, hear about his vision for the center. Exciting stuff. And, uh, you know, we're excited to get into this interview. Peter has an amazing vision for Southwest Center Mall, for Redbird. And, you know, I have to give a shout out to Miss Edna Pemberton, who we sat down and spoke with, um, who was out at the mall. She spent a lot of time over the last 10 years advocating on behalf of Southwest 
Center Mall because, again, it's a great location, great demographics around the area. It's just, you know, when will businesses want to become a part of it? And as we were driving in to go do the interview with Peter, we saw that the Starbucks out in the parking lot, it will be completed here in a, in a couple months. And they've you know made a commitment to to be a part of the Redbird redevelopment. Exciting stuff, Sean. So let's get into that interview right after the break. This is Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Sean, that's a big stack of mail you got there on your desk. Yeah, I do, man. I got me a couple of new items fresh in the mail a day. Oh, well, do tell. What's in that one package right there? These are the new brush heads for my buck brush. Oh, buck brush, huh? Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but for a dollar, you can get new replacement heads for your buck brush. Many other companies charge $15 or more just to replace the heads on their toothbrushes. That's crazy talk. I am telling you, buck brush is the new revolution. It is the new way the vibrations act like a timer. Uh, You have to get one for yourself, man, if you don't already have one. Well, where can I get my own buck brush, Sean? Go to buckbrushco.com. Get your own buck brush. Again, Ryan, that is buckbrushco.com. Hey man, join the revolution. Let's vibe together. Sounds like a plan. Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble, and we have made it, made our way south today. We have come all the way out to Redbird Mall, a place that is very familiar to me because it reminds me of some of the great times of my youth coming from Paris, Texas, uh, to hang out at Redbird Mall. And we are here with the owner and developer of Redbird Mall, Peter Brodsky. Uh, Peter, welcome to Deconstructing Dallas. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, I wanted to start out because there are a lot of people, and I did say we are Redbird Mall because, you know, over the last number of years, Southwest Center Mall has been what people have called a place here on Camp Wisdom. But uh, you, since you've um, gained ownership and are now developing this property, you've decided to go back to Redbird. So before we even get to talking about what you're going to plan to do here and what you're doing here, can you talk about your decision to rebrand this as Redbird? Uh, sure. It was it was one of the first decisions that we made. Um, so what's interesting is that this mall has been called Southwest Center Mall for almost as long as it was called Redbird. It was Redbird for 23 years from 74 to 97. And it's been Southwest Center Mall now for over 20 years. 
but I have yet to meet a single person who calls it Southwest Center Mall. And I think the reason for that is that the whole reason for the rebranding really uh, offended and alienated the community. The name of this neighborhood is Redbird. This was a was a place that people took a lot of pride in, uh, and and they liked the name. Uh, when it started to decline, a new ownership came in, and they were like, "We're just going to paint over it." They came up with a name that had nothing to do with the community, a decor that had nothing to do with the community, uh, a logo that had a cactus in it. I've never seen a cactus in Dallas, uh, certainly not in Oak Cliff, and uh, and people rejected it. And, uh, and didn't feel a sense of ownership about the mall anymore. And I actually think that hastened its decline. So one of the first things we did, uh, well, I, I, actually, let me, let me add one thing, which is that in, the, in this community, Redbird is a golden brand. In the retail community, uh, it became a very pejorative brand. And this mall stopped being referred to as Redbird and started being referred to as Deadbird and Blackbird. Uh, and that is why the prior owners changed the name, uh, but they really alienated people. So when I first bought the mall, I did a series of community meetings and I always asked, what should we do with the mall name? Should we call it Southwest Center? Should we call it Redbird? Or should we call it something else? And it was unanimous, Redbird. It's not going to be Redbird Mall, however, because as we'll talk about, it's not just going to be a mall. Uh, but the Redbird name is very, very important. Well, I love the logo, Peter. It's 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 great, and I saw the big signage outside on on the uh, on the outside of the building. So it's really um, I'm glad you've gone back to it. It's it's great, and um, tell us a little bit more about the community and, and why you chose to come down here and, and just the, the surrounding neighborhoods. So. I spent about, I moved to Dallas in 1995, and for the first 15 years, I really uh, didn't know anything about Southern Dallas. I was like a lot of North Dallas people and just thought that was Dallas. And as I, uh, I took the Leadership Dallas class in 2009, which exposed me to the entirety of the city and helped me to realize that there was a lot more to Dallas than what I'd seen, which frankly, I was very happy about because I, I had thought that North Dallas was pretty conservative and pretty homogeneous, and uh, I, I was happy to find a much more textured and diverse city here. So I started spending more time here, and at first I got involved philanthropically, but but I, I pretty quickly realized that there was just a fundamental misunderstanding about this part of town. It, it is portrayed as universally poor and kind of a place not worth going to. That's how it's often portrayed in the media and in and in North Dallas. Uh, but what I found was very vibrant communities, lots of homeowners associations, strong middle class. Yes, there are problems. There are problems all over the city, and there may even be a more constant, a higher concentration of problems in Southern Dallas. But it's not universal. And this part of Southern Dallas is historically the place where middle and upper middle class African-American families have lived. And yet, despite the fact that there was plenty of purchasing power, there's nothing to buy around here. There's just no quality amenities, no quality sit down restaurants, retail, movie theaters, uh, coffee, offices, hotels. It just doesn't exist. So what happened, what I realized was people 
who live in this community who want nice things have to travel far distances to, to get the goods and services they want. So this investment thesis came out of the idea that, hey, there's a, there's a demand, but there's no supply. What can we do to provide that supply? And that's why I always emphasize to people, this is a for-profit investment. Like I'm here to make a return, but, but I wouldn't have done it if I didn't if I didn't think that the way to make a return was positive for the community, because I don't think this community needs anything else negative to be going on or any any exploitation. Uh, but so that that's why you know, Redbird is the perfect place for that. It's in the right part of town. It's a it's a storied property. It's a great piece of land. Uh, it's an operating business already. It's all, that's currently profitable, right? It is. It's currently open and profitable. Uh, there's a, we had 110 different uh, tenants here that make their livelihood, uh, wow. and and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is, uh, you know, th- this is a, a North Park quality shopping experience. It's not. That's we want to turn it into something that can attract the people that are traveling to North Park and the parks at Arlington, uh, but but it's open and profitable, but it. It needs to be reimagined, and that's what we're trying to do. You know, I like to get down in the weeds a little bit because it's part of what I'm interested in. Because when I was writing about this mall for D Magazine, you know, seven, eight years ago, and working with Miss Pemberton, uh, when people thought that the mall was about to close, one of the challenges, among others, was the number of owners that were associated with the different parcels of land here on the property and and even with the different boxes and big mm-hmm. department stores so can you talk about what it took for you to <clears throat> to assemble a part you know this model in a way that made you feel comfortable with moving forward i think that's a pretty interesting part of this too yeah so um you're right so so the the for for those of your listeners that are not familiar this is a hundred and a hundred and twenty uh two-acre parcel uh, bordered by Camp Wisdom, Westmoreland, I-20, and 67. And then within that, there's a ring road which defines the property of of the mall, and that's 90 acres. That 90 acres had six different owners. Each of the anchored anchors, Macy's, Sears, etc., was separately owned. And then the inline portion of the mall was separately owned, and each had different parts of the parking lot. And then outside that ring road, there are 28 other owners of each of the parcels. So, um, so you, you know, it was very hard to do anything. So every time the mall has been sold over the past 20 odd years, all that's been uh, sold is the inline portion of the mall and about 20 acres of parking lot. And you can't do anything with that. If you don't own the entrances and you don't own the, you know the majority of the of the real estate and the buildings you could you could gold plate that thing and it wouldn't matter if you've got an empty Macy's and a and a torn down JC Penney next to you no one's going to bother to go into the mall so that's one of the reasons why a lot of people didn't want to didn't want to uh, do it the the risk i took in the initial purchase was that i would be able to mm-hmm. purchase the rest and uh, I think one of the reasons why I was one of the only bidders, I was really the only bidder for the mall, was that that seemed like too big a risk for people that understood real estate, but because I was woefully ignorant <laughs> about real estate, I was like, I can do that. 
and so um, and so we've now done uh, 10 separate transactions and put together about 700,000 square feet uh, and 78 acres. So we still don't own the Sears, we don't own the Burlington Coat Factory, and we don't own most of the perimeter properties, but we've got enough that we can define the environment, uh, and, uh, and that's what we're doing. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We're here with Peter Brodsky at Redbird Mall, excuse me, Redbird, <laughs> just Redbird. Um, For now. And Peter, I, I think we're going along this path, so I, I wanna hear about the grand vision. You, you've talked about the parcels, you talked about the neighborhood. So tell us about all these super graphics that you have here. So, um, well, let me back up for a minute. When I first bought this and started meeting with the community, the first thing we asked was, what does everyone want? And that was how we started developing the idea of, of, what, of what to provide. Yeah. And the list was long uh, be, because there are so few amenities here. We then started looking into what other malls around the country are doing because while Redbird uh, is is beloved, it's not unique in terms of being a declining mall. There's decline. I mean, there's an entire website called deadmalls.com that you can go buy it. Go go buy an old dying or dead mall. That's not what people want today. And so the question is, how do you repurpose the existing uh, real estate? Uh, to create something relevant to today's uh, today's consumers and community, so what we're going to do is is not we're not going to fully demall the mall. Lots of malls are demalled and they're turned inside out where they become outdoor centers. We're not going to do that, but what we are going to do is remake the parcel first of all. So. Um, if you drive around the mall today, what you'll see is that a lot of the parking fields are up on the second story. Uh, for instance, the parking field that you guys are in, we're on the, you know, you, you parked on the second story. That was done because 70s era malls wanted to make sure that consumers came in, shoppers came in on the first and the second floor equally so that they could charge equal rent for both floors and they both had the same amount of traffic. Well, the community and most people really want a walkable area. They want a walkable development. And so you can't have walkable if you're up and you're down and you're up and you're down. So first we're gonna do is we're gonna regrade the entire site uh, to be one level. The second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna knock down about 100,000 square feet of the mall. Uh, Anyone familiar with the mall? It's basically the food court um, and West uh, is gonna get knocked down. And that's because we just don't need that much real estate space here anymore. Real estate is a, a brick and mortar real estate is, is not a growth industry. So with the, with a flatter parcel and with that part of the mall knocked down, we can drive streets through the development. Uh, and so, um, you know, there's one, there's a, there's a north south street and there's an east west street uh, that, that come through begin to reincorporate this parking, this big massive parking lot into the city grid. Um, And then once you have that infrastructure, the rest is what do you do with the buildings? Well, we think that there's a real need for quality office space. So the entire second floor of the mall will become offices. Uh, The first floor will stay stay retail. Uh, We uh, have a deal for a hotel to come. 
Uh, we're talking to residential developers. Uh, we want to put in a one-acre green space and make that a kind of a restaurant uh, eating pavilion uh, outside. Uh, and uh, and then we really would like to get some entertainment, movie theater or bowling. Uh, the, the, the community really wants family-oriented entertainment. Sure. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the other side. Let's cut to the chase. You want an afternoon of the best, most affordable family entertainment in town? Do yourself and your family a favor and purchase their 2018 SMU football season tickets for just 99 bucks. That's right, for just $99, you can see some great action at Ford Stadium this fall with games against the University of Houston, Navy, and the dreaded TCU Horned Frogs. So join the herd. Go to smumustangs.com or call 214-SMU-GAME and ask for your very own $99 season tickets today. Again, that's smumustangs.com or 214-SMUGAME. We'll see you at the stadium. Pony up. Constructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble with Peter Broski. Peter, so I know you came to Southern Dallas. You kind of fell in love with the opportunities here, but also really wanted to, to be a part of turning Southern Dallas around. You've even served as um, kind of on a committee to help address the stray dogs problem and uh, education here has been a big portion, but you've looked at the numbers now. You said that you're looking to get a return what makes you think that now that you have all the information that this is something that can actually work out because i know a lot of people here have heard about opportunities to turn this around and hadn't what makes you feel like it it will well the first thing is what we talked about before which is this is the first time ever that one entity has controlled uh the majority of this of this piece of property so things are possible now that have never been possible before So that's number one. Uh, Number two is just if you look at the demographics, the median income in the area more than will will more than support quality retail. If you look at the numbers of white collar workers uh, within a drivable distance, 
it's every bit as strong as 75 and LBJ, and you don't have any problems putting an office there. If you look at the number of cars, it's something like 120,000 cars driving north up 67 every day uh, going to work. Well, I bet a lot of those people would like to office closer, uh, closer to home. So there is a retail market, there's a restaurant market, there's an entertainment market. Uh, you can do analyses of the credit card receipts at different establishments around different parts of Dallas, and there's a substantial number of people from these zip codes around here that are shopping 45 minutes away. So I have no doubt about the demographics. Um, the, the, the question, uh, the challenge here is about overcoming the perceptions. Uh, because when something's been called dead bird and blackbird for so long, there's just a stigma to it. And we're working with a terrific office broker right now. This is South, Southwest Dallas isn't even considered an office submarket. There's just, it's not even on the radar screen. Why? Because there's no offices. And then it becomes a chicken and egg problem. So, you know, we're putting an office there, but then it's really hard to get people to consider it because it's in, because it's different and it's and it feels foreign. The whole the whole perception issue is the whole is the major thing we're battling. I I I I have, you know, a lot of friends in North Dallas. I'll be standing, you know, up in Frisco on the sidelines of a game of one of my kids and someone will start telling me how far away Redbird is. And I'm like, we just drove an hour to get to Frisco. Redbird is 20 minutes from my house. And besides, I don't care how far away it is from North Dallas. There's plenty of people who live here. You got DeSoto, Duncanville, Cedar Hill, Waxahachie, Red Oak, Grand Prairie, and Oak Cliff. And they're all very, very close. So the big challenge is getting the first people to say yes, so that it's not such a, a, a strange sounding idea. That's why I will really forever uh, have, have respect for, for Starbucks, because somebody in Starbucks decided that they were willing to go make the crazy pitch to come to Redbird, and Starbucks was willing to come to Redbird before anybody else. Everybody else is like, yeah, call me when you've got other tenants. So that took some corporate courage to do it. Um, the fact that it's a courageous act is, 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 uh, is a whole other issue, why that should be a courageous act. But, but in fact is because of the perceptions it was. So that's why I'm optimistic about it, but it's also not easy. Well, Peter, we've talked about uh, bowling alley, theater, movie theater, all sorts of different amenities. Dream big. Give me your wild ideas. If, if anybody's listening out there, what, what are some of your wild, innovative ideas that you think you might be able to do here? Oh, man. If there's two adjectives that do not describe me, it's wild or innovative. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, that's the thing about this, about this, uh, this development is I don't think – that you need to have something wild and innovative to be successful. Mm -hmm. It's not like there are 50 shopping centers around here where we've got to we've got to compete for people uh, that hard. What we want to provide is high quality, and if we provide a high quality product, doesn't mean we don't you know doesn't need doesn't mean we're not trying to be to think outside the box. 
But like when there's not a single movie theater in all of Southern Dallas, when we have the first Starbucks in all of Southern Dallas, when there are no sit down restaurants anywhere around here, and there's there's a hundred thousand people going to churches all the time here, you don't need to be that wild. <laughs> you gotta put in some quality Italian food, a great Mexican place, a great burger place. Yeah. That's what people want. Uh, you know, where where I think where I think we're being innovative and forward looking is how to reuse this space in a way that preserves what people care about and preserves the emotional attachment that people have to the space, but also make it relevant for today. Deconstructing Dallas, again, we are here at Redbird with Peter Broski, who has dropped a little bit of knowledge on us because I, I know you also know the history. We were talking a little bit about it earlier, and I, like I said, I go a long way back. What, what I guess kind of one of the last things I'd say is what are some of the old-timers saying to you when they look at your plans, the people who remember what it used to be, see what your future is for the for the space? What are, what are some of those folks saying to you? Um very very positive reactions i think that the community is hungry for someone to invest in the community and invest in a way that is uh that acknowledges the value that 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 they as consumers uh and and citizens bring to the table so it is very positive um a lot of people are like, when's it happening? You've been talking for a long time. And all I can say is, this is much longer than I thought it would take. It takes a long time. But but the thing that I, the thing, the, 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 the biggest comment I get is, I ask people, why was Redbird so special? Why, because nobody cares about Valley View in North Dallas, but people have a deep emotional attachment to this mall. And, some people say, you know, talk about their memories, and some people talk about, you know, center court and 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 the sort of the physical space. But most people say, you know what, this was a place where we were welcome, and we felt comfortable, and you could go get quality and have a great time with your family, and that's the spirit of what we're trying to bring to a new physical environment. Uh, but but the same spirit that that's always driven Redbird. Well, Peter, this is really exciting stuff, and and um, you know I'm excited to come back down here, and and I probably won't be waiting in line at that Starbucks. It's going to be way oversubscribed, <laughs> I guarantee you. So um, congratulations. But if some of our listeners wanted to go online and and find out more information, look at some of your great graphics, where could they go find you? Yeah, it's www.redbird-dallas.com. Right. Well, again, thank you, Peter. And uh, we might go get us a slice of pizza. We'll go um, sit down and chat a little bit more. But this is Deconstructing Dallas.
welcome back. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams, and Sean, I had a great time down at Redbird. Yeah, man, that was a good time at Redbird. It's great to hear Peter's vision for Redbird. It just, you know, brings back memories. When I used to come up from Paris, Texas back in the day and visit my cousins who live right down the street on Westmoreland, you know, we go to me and my cousins would go to Redbird Mall, and man, that was the place to be. I mean, you wore the best uh, outfit you had in the closet. <laughs> you tried to make sure you could get to Foot Locker and get you some new shoes. Uh, there were always, you know, just tons of kids, tons of, you know, adults that you looked up to that were just walking around, and you'd see celebrities. You know, one thing, I, one of my best memories is when the Cowboys were in the playoffs back in the day and they had a pep rally at Redbird Mall. Oh, that's cool. And so, it, again, it was the place to be. And that's kind of the level that it seems like Peter's trying to bring it, bring it back to. And again, all in a place where he can make money as a, you know, this is not a, as the mayor says, this isn't a charity, charity case. It's a business opportunity. And I think that's the way Peter's looking at it. Well, I, I want to say thank you to you, Sean, for uh, giving me the, the uh, behind-the-scenes tour and, and a big thanks again to Peter for uh, for taking time to visit with us and it just sounds like such a cool project. So yeah, uh, and the the Starbucks will be online soon. So and I think that once people see new uses on the property, you know, because you know as Peter will say, there hadn't been a, a ton of changes. He has made some great aesthetic changes, and I think the vision is there. But now that you have the Starbucks that'll be opening, uh, he's, uh, he has a couple of other announcements that I think will happen here in the near future. I think that's when a lot of people in the community will get behind it, and it won't just be me and Miss Pemberton, you know, screaming <laughs> at this. The mall is, is the place to be. Right, right. Well, we also want to uh, take a moment to send up a prayer for our friend Miguel Solis. Uh, his daughter, the good news is they, they found a, a heart donor for her. And so his young daughter, Olivia, uh, will be getting a, a heart transplant today. So we want to ask you to keep them in, in your prayers and uh, send them your thoughts and hashtag live strong. Live strong. We are keeping the Solis family and keeping Olivia in our prayers. And uh, hopefully there will be some good news to report really soon. Yeah. Well, we want to thank Peter Brodsky and his team at Redbird for having us out at the mall. We want to thank Mary Woodleaf. We want to thank Jennifer Pascal, our bosses, and our entire crew here at Allen Media. Please make sure to tune us in on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check us out, like, favorite, whatever you need to to make sure you hear our show. We will be back pretty quickly now that we've got this one up and underway. And again, we'll see you on the other side. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Adios.